Hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you across our network. Greetings to our Bendor family, those joining us online, and all of you here at Rock Island. If you're a guest with us, I'm super stoked you're here. This may be your first time at church or the first time in a long time, but you being here is a great thing. It adds to why this is my favorite weekend of the year. In fact, this is my favorite season of the year, and there's a number of reasons for that. A number of things contribute to it, and one of the more significant reasons is the existence of the Reese's Peanut Butter Egg. <laughs> Can I get an amen? It is the perfect combination of chocolate and peanut butter. It's different than the regular cup. The cup has a different proportion between the chocolate and peanut butter. The egg has the perfect balance, and the only thing that adds to that perfection is a tall, cold glass of milk. Mmm. And every time I see these bad boys popping up, I know my favorite weekend's coming. And it's here. It's here. Spring has sprung. Seemingly dead things are coming to life. The grass, the trees, the flowers. Animals will soon be giving birth. New life, new beginning. Not to mention the fact that the tomb is empty and Jesus is risen. It is my favorite time of year. But you know what? The most amazing thing is no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, your tomorrow can be different because of today. Your tomorrow can be different because of today. Easter changes everything. In fact, what Easter does is it positions us to take some time to look at our, our physical and spiritual realities. There's an opportunity to do a bit of spring cleaning, an opportunity to have a new beginning where the impossible becomes possible. And I love that every year we take time to pause and celebrate Easter. But I think that sometimes the familiarity around it can challenge its significance in our life. It, it can feel routine. It can even feel commonplace. And that challenges its significance. Because familiarity is a friend of apathy. It's a friend of apathy, but it's an enemy of action. Think this way with me. When we hear in the news about a crash or a death or a shooting, we actually don't readily respond or we're not as readily moved as we once were. Not because we're cold-hearted, but because of familiarity. We've heard it. And familiarity is a friend of apathy. But when we can look with fresh eyes, then we can actually see how significant Easter is. But we don't understand what Easter is about, and we don't know how awesome it is. We may think we do when we really don't. Hang with me. You see, in our physical being, we start with life and we move towards death. We all know that. We all know that, that we're aging and we're getting older and we face death. So we start with life and we move towards death. But spiritually, we start with death and we have an opportunity to move towards life. So we're not just a body with a spirit, we're more a spirit with a body. We're, we're not simply human beings having a spiritual experience, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Because we will live forever spiritually. Not so much physically. We know that. We know that we face death. Every time we go to a funeral, we're reminded of that. The statistic that every day 151,000 people die, that's a hard fact to ignore. We all face death. 
And the reality is that we move from life to death physically, but we do the opposite spiritually. From spiritually dead, we have an opportunity to move towards life. And we will live forever spiritually. The question is where? Will we live with God or apart from Him? We will live in heaven with God or separated from Him in hell. It's a significant question. That's why many people want to know how they get to heaven. And what we celebrate this weekend answers that. Yet, although a lot of people want to know how to get to heaven, very few people know how God says that happens. Because we don't understand what Easter is about. Too many of us look at Easter and say that it is just about a death leading to a resurrection. And when we look at Easter as a death leading to a resurrection, and only as that, then, then we can treat it as an event, an historical one for sure. And you may even say the most historical and uh, significant event of all history, but an event nonetheless. But it's far more than that, because it defines where we can live spiritually forever. And if we don't understand what Easter is about, then we don't understand how awesome it is. It is the most important event in all of human history. And I want to show you how. And I want to do that today through five things. Just five statements. And if you've got your sermon note guide, I encourage you to grab it and pull it out. This is just a helpful tool for you as we study God's Word to take some notes and do a few fill-ins. In fact, the first fill-in today is our first of the five statements. And it's simply that you are loved with an immeasurable love. You are loved with an immeasurable love. An immeasurable what? Love. love. Man, your heavenly Father, God, loves you. He loves you just the way you are. In all of your quirks and oddities and idiosyncrasies, He loves you. He loves you so much, it, 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 it is beyond understanding. The breadth and width and depth and height of His love surpasses knowledge. It's incredible. You have a heavenly Father who loves you. Now, I know even as I say that, for some of you who have not had a good experience with your dad, the idea of God being a father sounds pretty cruddy. But let me tell you, God is everything a father should be. And I think we know in our heart of hearts the difference. And I tell you today that you are loved with an immeasurable love. How do I know that? Well, there's lots of different places that I can see, know, know that, and experience that, but one of the ways I know that is from people who hung with Jesus. One of those guys was named John. And John wrote this about the love of God. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We know God loves us because he sent Jesus. That's not the only example or reason. There's other statements. In fact, there was a guy named Paul who for a period of time hated Christians, stood by as they were killed, put many of them in jail. But later in life, once he began to understand this love, he would write these words in Romans. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how we know we're loved. And you are loved with an immeasurable love. That's first and foremost. It, it's the foundation that allows us to step to the second thing. And that is that we all start with great expectations. 
We all start with great expectations. We have hopes and dreams. We, we have great desires and desire good things. And we even believe we can achieve them. And it starts at an early age. Like when I was a kid, even at the age of like two or three, I had great expectations. In fact, here's a picture of me about that age. That's me. I put on my mom's hat that day. I grabbed my plastic mower. I went to the door and I said, outside, mommy, outside. Because I wanted to go cut the grass. And I had the great expectation that I could. We have great expectations, even at an early age. I would go on as I got a little bit older to have the expectation of being a police officer, of being a soldier, and being a superhero. I've been able to be a soldier and a state trooper, and I'm working on the superhero part. But we all start with great expectations. Yet I think somewhere along the way, we forget who we are. And then we do things we should never really do. Let's take 60 seconds and let me show you what I mean. <laughs> it's our song. No, I never felt like this before. Oh, wait. Yes, I swear. It's the truth. And I hope it all to you. Yeah, there you go. Thousands of ways into the complex healthcare system. I'm right. And United Healthcare has ways to make the system simpler, like virtual doctor visits. What happened here? I came in too hot. <laughs> and we all start with great expectations, but sometimes we forget who we are. And as funny as that commercial is, I have to confess to you that hits a little too close to home for Beth and I. My wife and I have been married for more than 23 years. So this is a picture of, of the two of us. And, and we have been blessed with two great boys. God has blessed us through many, many years of journey. And, and, and along that journey, we have always loved to play games. Many board games, but a few video games. And one of the few video games we like or have invested in is called Just Dance. Now, I got to tell you, my dancing prowess is unequaled. And what I mean by that is there's nobody worse than me. But just dance is really easy, because all you have to do is move the controller to the choreography in the right timing, and you get points. And you can do it solo, you can do it as a team, you can do it as a head-to-head -head competition or as a duo. And on one occasion, Beth and I were actually doing just dance, and the song was that song from the video. The time of my life. And, and, it, and so we're in the moment, we're, we're doing this dance, and we're racking up points, and I'm ahead. I'm ahead. I can see I'm winning. And that's unusual, because I can't dance, and Beth can but we're cruising through that song, and we're getting to the climax where there's the leap and the lift moment, and it, there's huge bonus points for that, and I kind of get down on one knee, and she turns, and she jumps. Wait for it. I mean, I'm not making this up. This, is, this totally happened, and I'm not embellishing. I moved. <laughs> and I won. <laughs> no, I didn't. I lost. We'll just say that wasn't a great marriage builder moment. <laughs> but sometimes we forget who we are. Or even worse, forget who we're supposed to be. Like a husband who catches. We all start with great expectations. 
But somewhere along the way, we forget who we really are. And there are always implications for that, for us and for others. For the woman in the video, she was injured. For, for Beth and I, we'll just call it a forever moment. <laughs> we dream dreams. We desire good and great things. But then we encounter the world. We encounter things we didn't expect, both good and bad. I kind of feel like that's how the first Easter experience went for those that were there. Unexpected things. Even John described that first morning this way. He said, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. That was unexpected. Easter is significant. It, it is indisputably the most significant day of all of history. And it doesn't simply mark the most important day of the year or the most important day of the first century or even the first millennia. It's the most important moment of all time. And it marks every other moment of every other day. Yet there was some unexpectancy in it. It was about two years ago, I had the privilege of going with a group of Heritage family uh, members to Israel. And it was a trip of a lifetime. Got to see all kinds of cool things, but one of the places we went was called the Garden Tomb. Here, here's a picture of it, and it's believed to be uh, one of the possible locations of the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a place where Jesus would have been laid after he died. And so we were able to be in that space. It was beautiful. It was moving. And we were able to actually walk into uh, the tomb itself. And, and the, the tomb layout has two different spots in it where you can lay a body. And, and there's one over here, and then there's one on this side. And it makes sense that this was a space. It lines up with Scripture because where it talks about John running ahead of Peter and John stopping at the entrance and not going in, but bending down and looking in and seeing the linens, he would have been able to do that. Now, I don't know if this is the right spot or not, but what I do know about this space that is right, it's empty. It's empty. And that's what makes Easter awesome. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand how significant it ultimately is. If you don't understand what Easter is about, you don't understand how awesome it is. We, we dream dreams. We desire good and great things, but then we encounter the world. We encounter people. We encounter our own weaknesses, and we can end up imprisoned in our own mistakes, our own choices, our, our problems. Because even though we are loved with an immeasurable love, and even though we all start out with great expectations, we all encounter a problem in life. We all encounter a problem in life. We experience the things of this world. We encounter obstacles, what people do to us or around us. What, what we do in our own regrets and mistakes, we make small bad decisions, and those small bad decisions can lead to bigger bad decisions. And we forfeit our dreams, and we forget who we are and whose we are. And in that space, we lose sight of the fact that God loves us and he's created us. And we end up stuck physically and spiritually. Here's how a guy named Paul, that same guy, talked about this. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn to Colossians because we're going to hang in this part of Scripture for the rest of our time. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's after Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, but before you get to the Thessalonians. And so we're in Colossians, and we're starting with verse 21 in chapter 1. He said, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Look, we do things we shouldn't do, and that separates us from God. It gets us lost. We get stuck. But Jesus is the way back. He is the only way back. And that's what makes Easter so awesome. Now, you may be thinking, really? Only way? 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Let me explain how. And I'd like to use the, a way that my friend and mentor did it. Because his son, his 12-year-old son, asked him the question, of why is Jesus the only way? And, and, and he had a brilliant response to it. See, that night at dinner, he sat down, and the first thing he did is he affirmed his son for asking the question. He said, that's a great question, and many people don't know how to answer it. But let's think about it this way. He said, if I tell you not to willfully tip over your drink here at the dinner table, because if you do, I'll send you to your room. If I tell you that, and then you willfully decide to do that, you tip over your drink at the table, do I have to send you to your room? And his son thought for a moment, and he said, nope. You can change your mind. He said, you're right. I can. I could. Because that's a punishment, and I can change a punishment. Then he said, but let's do this differently. Let's do it again. What if I told you that do not willfully knock over your drink at the table because it'll spill out onto the floor. The floor would get wet. You'll get wet. You'll waste your drink, and you'll have no drink. If I tell you to not willfully do that, but then you willfully knock it over, and you spill that out onto the floor. You get wet, the floor gets wet, you waste your drink, and you have nothing left in it. Can I change that? And his son thought for a moment. He said, no, you can't. He said, you're right, I can't. Because that's a consequence. I can't change a consequence. And what my friend did was beautifully illustrate the difference between a punishment we can change and a consequence we cannot. You see, we are loved with an immeasurable love. And we all start out with great expectations. But we all encounter a problem. And it's the consequence of sin in our life. It's the consequence. And as a result of that consequence, that leads us to the fourth statement, that we are all in need of rescue. We all need to be rescued. Need to be what? rescued. Now this may be the hardest one of the five to accept or embrace, but our evil behavior, it separates us from God. We end up in the dark. We encounter things that we can't make sense of, and then we experience fear because we cannot rescue ourselves. We tell ourselves we can, and we invest in our work to be successful. We invest in relationship. We invest in pleasures. All of those are ultimately, though, just choosing escape. It's not rescue. There's a difference. We'll perform, we'll overinvest, we'll overeat, we'll indulge to maintain some sense of a control in an area we have no control. We're powerless to the problem, to the consequence. And having good thoughts and doing good deeds, being more good than bad doesn't work. We all need to be rescued. And Jesus is that rescue. So let's go back to Colossians, to verse 13 and 14. Paul said, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is what Easter's all about. He, he moves us from dark to light, from, from sinful to forgiven, from stuck to free. He rescues us. And this is not an event, but a radical shift. It's a radical shift. Look, there is a consequence to sin. All the way back to the garden, God said, look, if you sin, you will surely die. And when he said that, he meant physical death, spiritual death, even relational death. That is not a punishment God can change. That is a consequence that he cannot. So whenever we choose to sin, we choose the consequence of death. That's our problem. 
Yet, Jesus, by his death and resurrection, has addressed it. He's actually fulfilled the requirement. Yet many people don't understand what Easter is about. They still think that it's just about a death leading to a resurrection, but it is not. Easter is about a love leading to a rescue. It's about a love leading to a rescue, expressed in a death and resurrection. I'm not wordsmithing here. There's a difference. See, if we only look at Easter as a death and resurrection, as an event, well, then we can simply be impressed and amazed. But we understand it as a love leading to a rescue. Well, now we're positioned to make a choice, to choose, to be rescued or not. There's a difference. Easter is not about a death leading to a resurrection. It's about a love leading to a rescue. And we all need to be rescued. And this scripture reminds us of that fact. And it tells us that there is a way, that there's a way out. And that is the fifth statement for today. That you have a way out. You have a way out. There is a way out of being stuck. That way is Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one. It's love leading to a rescue. Let's keep reading what Paul wrote in verses 19 and 20. He said, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that would be Jesus, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You have a way out. You have a way to experience rescue, physical and spiritual Our Father has provided that rescue. It's not just about being forgiven. It's not just about being clean. It's about being set free. It's about being rescued, rescued from sin, no longer a slave to sin, and actually given power to live, power to to live life to the full. And, And we will have problems in life. Jesus said, you will have trouble. We're going to have problems, but because of who Jesus is, when we receive him as Savior, we can no longer, we no longer have to be stuck in those problems. God gives us his spirit through Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He gives us that spirit. And Jesus is the only way. But we have to choose. And and some have not chosen because they question whether Jesus is the only way. But I got to tell you, he is the only one who has dealt with the real issue. Who has dealt with the consequence And he's the only one who can. There is no other. There is no other name by which we can be saved. He dealt with the real issue. It's just Jesus. In the Old Testament, God made a temporary way for us to be forgiven. It was through a substitute sacrifice. They would bring in a lamb, they would cut its throat, and its shed blood would be a temporary sacrifice. Forgiveness. And everyone who watched it understood how serious it was. They they knew the deal. So by the time the New Testament rolled around, they understood what John the Baptist meant when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They understood it. The difference between Jesus as Lamb of God and and the lambs of the Old Testament was that he was perfect. He was not just good, he was sinless. And therefore became the ultimate sacrifice, a permanent one. And he's the only one, he's the only way, because no one else has made a way. No one else has made a way out, and they can't. 
there is no other name by which we can be saved. It's just Jesus. So, out of that immeasurable love, God has made a way. He's made a way. And whatever stone is in front of your life today, he wants to roll that away. But that only happens when we understand what Easter is all about. And I want to give you a chance to hear how these five things played out in the life of one of my friends named Rusty. Check this out. I grew up in a small town south of here called Alito, and uh, grew up in a pretty normal family, normal life, uh, going to church. I really didn't know God. I knew a rules-based God and a dead God. That's, that was my understanding of who God was. And uh, so throughout junior high, high school, I started making some small bad decisions, and eventually those turn into larger bad decisions, and uh, really got into drugs heavy in high school, uh, got into alcohol and the party lifestyle, everything that, that comes with that, and hurt a lot of people in that process. And uh, I also had some highlights, you know, I was in the military as a private investigator once I graduated, went to alternative school, so I, I, I had some, some bad times and I had some good times as well. Um, but sadly, the drugs just always hung in there and found myself homeless at age 18, 19. And I remember nights waking up in the back of a van because it was the only thing that I had, breaking into hotel rooms for a place to stay, um, selling everything I had just to get that next fix, that next high. And that life just continued to tear apart every good thing that I had. Um, ended up um, being discharged from the military because of my drug use, um, ended up losing my private investigating job, um, and so I hurt my family, and, and so just drugs just literally ripped apart my life. And eventually I did stuff that I never thought I would ever imagine doing. Broke into multiple people's homes um, to steal items in order to continue getting that next high. And uh, eventually that led me to a jail, a Mercer County Jail, and I would spend the next year of my life there. Jail was a, um, not a fun experience. You know, when I first got there, I'd been to jail off and on before. Um, and when I first entered jail, I was looking at 14 years. And so having that sentence over your head is a pretty scary thing. And when you're in jail, you're trying to figure out who you are because you're no longer known as Rusty Boroff. I was known as inmate in cell 121. And trying to wrap my mind around that and finding out um, I had a choice. I could let God define who I was or I could let cell 121 define who I was. And that was a tough moment of my life. And um, you're 100% out of control. I, didn't, I couldn't control anything. I had a son that was on the way. I couldn't call his mom and see how he's doing. I couldn't, I, I couldn't reach out to my family whenever I wanted to. I was in a small cell, cell 121, with a bunch of other dudes. And it was a scary moment. Um, but thankfully, there was this older gentleman named Merle who would come in every Sunday. He was the only volunteer that would ever come into the jail. And he'd come visit me. And he wasn't the most exciting speaker. He was in, in his, like, 90s. He would actually fall asleep while he was talking to me. Um, but it was never what Merle really said that made the biggest impact on my life. It's what he did. And by him going into that jail cell every Sunday, 
Number one, it showed me that God forgave me for the stuff I had done in my life. And number two, it showed me that someone believed in Rusty Borov. No matter all the mistakes I had made in my life, no matter all the people I had hurt in my life, it showed me that someone believed in me. And that was my motivation to change my life. And uh, so that's where I found Jesus, was in cell 121, through a 90-year-old guy just coming in to talk to me every Sunday. And it made a huge impact in my life. You are loved with an immeasurable love. We all start with great expectations. We all encounter a problem. We're all in need of a rescue. And you have a way out. You may not be in a literal prison today, a literal jail, but you might be in a spiritual prison, an emotional prison, a prison of habits. But you are loved with an immeasurable love and there is a way out. Yet we forget who we are along the way. And somewhere in here is where we spill everything out on the floor and we incur a consequence that cannot be changed. Yet what God has done through Jesus is he's fulfilled that consequence. He's worked and moved in a manner where the debt can be paid. God the Father sent the Son so that we can have life through rescue. It was love that sent him. It was love that held him on the cross. It was love that raised him from the dead. And it is love that makes him accessible today. Easter is not just about a death leading to a resurrection. It's not. It is about a love leading to a rescue, which means we're positioned to make a decision, to decide, to choose where we will ultimately live for eternity, where we will spiritually reside. If we don't decide, we actually do decide because the consequence is already applied. The floor is already wet. So to not do anything is to decide and choose the consequence of death. But you can actually say yes to God because he wants to see us live. It was a man by the name of C.S. Lewis who wrote these words. He said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but dead people live. And he is spot on. He's spot on. Jesus lived and died and rose again. The stone was rolled away so that we could live, so that we can have life. But we have to say yes to God. It, that is available to him. Life is available, but it's only received once we ask for it. We say yes to it. When he says, you want me to rescue you? We have to say yes. When he says, will you give me your hand and your heart and your life? We have to say yes. We have to, we have to jump by faith. And let me tell you, he's not going to move out of the way, nor will he drop you when you jump by faith. That's what makes Easter great. Because that empty tomb is more a symbol of our freedom than his. That empty tomb is more a symbol of our freedom than his. 
but you have to choose to say yes, to receive that freedom. Your debt can be paid. You can, this can be the happiest day of your life as soon as you get this, as soon as you understand what Easter is all about, that it's not about a death leading to a resurrection, it's about a love leading to a rescue. And it's not, a, not just a day, and it's not just a decision, it is a way of life. And that empty tomb is a symbol about our freedom more than his. So I wonder, how will your tomorrow be different because of today? How will your tomorrow be different because of today? Because Jesus rose from the dead, he can raise your life, your problems and your brokenness. Jesus overcame trials and and significant opposition and endured abandonment, and you can too. Because he rose, you can. That's the power of the resurrection, but you have to choose. You have to choose. How will your tomorrow be different because of today? You can say yes to God. If you understand the five things, you, you will say yes to God. If you understand that the empty tomb is more a symbol of your freedom than his, you will say yes to God. You can say yes. This is why Easter is so awesome. And saying yes simply looks like praying a prayer like this. It's having a conversation with a God who loves you. I made this decision many years ago in my life in the basement of a rural church in western Pennsylvania. If I could make this decision for you, I would, but I can't. No one can decide this for us, and we can't decide this for others. We have to say yes, and you can say yes to God today. Because of what Jesus did, you can say yes. It might be the whole reason that you're here this Easter. Because out of God's great and immeasurable love for us, he creates moments for you and I to say yes. So do it. Don't don't mistake his patience for ambivalence. Don't do it. It's not ambivalence. He loves you so much he sent his son. So say yes today. Say yes to rescue and a way out. I'll actually want to give you the opportunity to do that. If if you're ready to receive rescue and to have a way out, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right where you're at. I invite you to pray this prayer silently as I read it aloud. If you're ready to receive rescue and a way out, follow me along as I read this out loud and you pray along silently with me. God, I accept that you not only created me, but loved me. I realize you had great expectations for my life, but along the way, I encountered the problem of sin in me, and I forgot who I was. Please rescue me. Forgive me for my sins through Jesus' sacrifice. I believe he rose from the dead to give me a way out. And I choose to follow him as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is my favorite weekend of the year. Because those of you who prayed that, you are rescued and you are free. And your tomorrow will be different because of today. Different. Look at what Paul goes on to say, last verse in Colossians that we're looking at. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Oh man, this is what makes Easter awesome. 
If you prayed that prayer, you stand before him free and rescued without fault. It is a beautiful thing. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. He lives in you. And he's beginning to roll away all the stones that are obstacles and problems in life for you. In fact, I want to invite you to come back over the next three weeks because we're starting a series we're simply calling He Still Moves Stones. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in those who follow Jesus. And he continues to remove the stones and obstacles of life. So you don't want to miss the next three weeks. I want to encourage you to come back. But before we do that, I want to invite you to just grab your worship folder. Says, you got one on the way in, just everybody grab it. And I want to invite you and ask you to just reach in and tear off that inside tear off. The inside tear off. If you're watching us online, you can click a link and it'll bring you an electronic or e-version of this. But this is a great tool to let us know you were here. It's a great way to ask questions and get information about opportunities here within the church, but it is also the perfect way to let us know that you prayed that prayer, that you said yes to God. And if you did that, I want to encourage you to fill it out and check, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior for the first time or as a rededication. Put it down, declare it, and then throw it in the offering bucket as it comes through or put it in one of the receptacles on the way out after worship today. But we would love to know that you made that decision because you don't have to do this alone. This is too big and too significant to do it alone. So I encourage you to fill that out, mark it. If you did not yet pray, you still can. You can do it right now. You can do it on your own on the back of the sermon note guide or a couple of steps and that prayer that we just walked through. If you have questions, there's a few people available afterwards to interact with you. But I got to tell you, life is too short and death too certain to live out of fellowship with God. And your tomorrow can be different because of today. So don't wait. Choose to receive the rescue and the way out. Because you are loved with an immeasurable love. We all start out with great expectations, but we all count our problem in life. We all need to be rescued. And you have a way out. Easter is not about a death leading to a resurrection. It's about a love leading to a rescue. And that's why Easter is so awesome. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your goodness to us. God, I, I love that this weekend is a time that we do pause and we remember. Lord, I thank you that even in a journey where we have forgotten who we are and we've encountered problems and we've done things we shouldn't do, your immeasurable love remains and you have provided a rescue through Jesus and a way out. Thank you for doing that, God. I celebrate with those who have made that decision today, who have stepped from spiritual death to spiritual life, and now have the assurance that they will spend eternity with you. God, I pray for all of us who know your Son as Savior, that you give us courage and boldness to live in that love and to live in the power that comes through Jesus, the same power that raised him from the dead. I pray for those that are still wrestling with you, wrestling with Jesus as the only way, and I just pray in these moments that you would communicate your love, your immeasurable love. And Lord, as we continue to step in worship today, may we understand how awesome Easter is because it is your love that leads to a rescue as expressed through the death and resurrection of your son. I love you and I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.